Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Metadata. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 328 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in Ann Arbor. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. In our last episode, in what we are calling the Scrooge episode, which we both think is hilarious, but we're not sure anyone else does, we went into the attack mode on some of our biggest annoyances and frustrations with technology today. In this episode, we revisit once again the raging and ever-raging, it seems, Twitter debate and weigh in in a very reasoned way on the question, should you stay or should you go? Tom, what's all on our agenda for this episode? Well, Dennis, in this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, we will indeed be taking a deeper dive into the current Twitter and Twitter alternatives debate. In our second segment, we will offer our unique take on another U.S. holiday tradition, the Pledge Drive, and as usual, we'll finish up with our partnering shots, that one tip website or observation that you can start to use the second that this podcast is over. But first up, Twitter. Twitter, Twitter everywhere. And how to decide what to think. It's been in the news constantly. And have you all noticed that we've been talking about Twitter a lot in recent episodes? Well, I think one of us on the podcast seems to be obsessing over the Twitter drama a little more than the others. So we're going to work on that a little bit in this episode. But seriously, talking about Twitter and what's going to happen and how we man deal with the fact that a platform may be uh, modifying or even going away entirely, it really provides a great case study, a great exercise on the question of when or if you should change from a technology that you use or whether you stick with it or do something in between. How to deal with the fact when technologies go away is our topic today. Lots of lessons to learn here, so let's get to it. Dennis, Twitter, are you staying or are you going? You know, earlier today, I had one answer of this evening, I have another. Tomorrow, I might have another. I mean, the fact is that I, I sort of come down to this, that that great maxim that it's better to prepare than it is to predict. So I decided I, I can't figure out what the heck's going to happen with Twitter or any of the, the alternatives. So I'm just diversifying um, and uh and preparing for for what I might do. So as of now, I've basically just downloaded my data from Twitter a few weeks ago to get everything that I can. And uh, I've opened up a couple alternatives, but I think, uh, you know, until it makes no sense for me to, to be on Twitter, then, then I'm probably going to going to stay in, in um, as we might say, multitask between uh, various social media platforms. How about you? I will say, before we really get into this, I do still want to dig in a little bit about why we're discussing this for like the third time on the podcast and maybe the last three episodes, because I think one of us is having real issues with the possibility of having to leave Twitter, the one who is tweeting many, 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 many more times a day than the others. Uh, I think there's somewhat of an emotional investment that has, uh, that has taken uh, root here. I will not say which one of us it is. And how does that make you feel, Tom? Uh, but I will say that I think that our respective approaches are going to differ somewhat 
because of our respective attachment to the platform. I am receiving all of the news with Twitter more with amusement than anything else. And it is, I'll say it is not affecting me the same way that the death of Google, Google Reader affected me, for example. When that went away, that was a true mourning experience. For some reason, I feel okay with it. But right now, my approach is kind of, you know, going down with the ship. As long as when I log in for my evening scroll, because we'll talk a little bit later about how we use it and what we use it for, because that's part of how to decide what, what to do in the future. As long as when I log in every day, there are enough people there to keep me updated on what I like to keep updated on, I'm going to tough it out. I don't know that there's any reason to expend the energy to do anything else. Once I feel that Twitter can't even reach that low bar, I mean, that's when I think I'll think seriously about alternatives. Now, I will say, as we are recording this today, the news is coming out that Twitter is planning to force all users to, to opt into advertising and to turn on location all the time so they can sell location data. I don't know how true any of that is, but I would say my approach, like yours, may change if... Uh, some part of the crazy leadership that's now at Twitter decides to force something on users that I don't find to be particularly attractive. So uh, this this approach is subject to change. You know, Tom, you you talk about how um, I like the platform. I would say it's more like I, I like the audience. I like my audience, and I like the the medium as uh, as a form of communication. I always use it for some you know, quasi newsy type uses. So it's it's more that audience and medium than the platform. And then I also have the use of, you know, so there's people I communicate with, there's people I learn from. And then, then I also use it as a way to get information out about things I'm doing, like new episodes of podcasts, new blog posts, other things that I'm doing. And so it's a, it's a marketing channel of of sorts but yeah i kind of you know realized tom i'm i'm close to you it's kind of like well as as long as you know when i go there it's somehow still around and there's you know like key parts of my audience there then what the heck right but it's that once we reach if something truly distasteful happens and you start to you know if the people that you're following uh you know i'll drop off then it'll be like other things that you know social media and other uh, platforms we've left over the years the other thing with Twitter is that lately it's, it's prompted this really kind of fundamental question for me is I'm not really sure how many people use Twitter and what they use it for. Like I, I see people tweeting away and I, I really noticed this during the election. I'm like, why are these people kind of frantically, you know, uh, expressing political opinions to like an audience that totally agrees with them and and isn't even going to have an impact on one vote? And and I, I think if you like if you're out in the in what I'll euphemistically call the the real world and you're talking to people, it is actually really rare that I find somebody who uses Twitter. So it does feel like this totally uh, niche thing that uh, what's happened over the last month or two has made me realize what ultimately what a small what a small space it actually is in the whole big picture of of how the world exists. I totally agree, but I think it's interesting that you know the number of alleged users, I think they call it the monetizable daily active users, the DA the DAO, DAU, 
they're estimating somewhere between 200 and 250 million daily users, which is not a small number. I mean, it's not anywhere close to the billions of users that Facebook at least had, if, if they don't still have it. Um, they, they always had kind of the biggest numbers of, of most of the social media platforms. Uh, but 250 million, 200, 200 million is not anything to sneeze at. So, I mean, my guess is... Most of our listeners don't use Twitter. Most of people, you, most of you who are listening to us right now, don't use Twitter for any major purpose. That's that's going to be my guess. I would argue that most lawyers in general don't use Twitter. You know, for those of you who do use Twitter, I'm going to speculate that it's either to follow people that you know, to follow people in your field who interest you, or maybe follow people um, in government or in the news or things you want to keep up with, that it's mostly about kind of keeping up with things. That's kind of what I use Twitter for. I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of my main purpose is as a news outlet or to keep up to date on what's going on. And, you know, although I follow a lot of people on Twitter, I don't actually use the main Twitter feed. That's not how I do it because, and, and I hope that nobody gets offended by this who, who is following me, I'm not all that interested in all the things that the people that I follow are saying. That's not something, I really am not using it for that purpose. I am sorry, but that is just the way it is. Um, instead, what I do is I create a list and I add accounts that I want to follow there and keep up with. You know, and what's interesting about Twitter is you don't even have to actually follow a Twitter account to add it to a list. You can just add it to a list and then you can read what they say all the time without being an actual follower. So you can kind of lurk and see what's going on. But uh, I mean, that's how I happen to use it. Um, but I would imagine that I'm in the minority as well. I would imagine that most of the people who are listening to this, the fact to the extent that they're using Twitter at all, they really don't have a dedicated regimen on how they use it. Well, and I, I just started a new Twitter account for something that I'm, that I'm doing. And so uh, at this point, I'm barely following anyone. And, and when I go on there, I see that, that Twitter is suggesting all these people for me to follow. And I realized, to my horror, um, as you would know, Tom, that that uh, is suggesting all this this stuff that I can't even imagine wanting to see on Twitter. You know, like all these famous people and celebrity accounts and, you know, all, all these sorts of things. And I realized that instead of having this sort of curated list that I see th things come in and there's stuff I'm interested in from people I want to learn more from, that I, I think a lot of people who use Twitter are just getting this whole fire hose of you know, algorithm uh, selected stuff, you know, peppered, uh, you know, I guess seasoned with ads. And so that's a completely different experience than mine. Like last night, for some reason, my Twitter feed started having every, it was basically every fourth tweet that I saw was an ad. So it was a promoted tweet. And that wasn't my experience the day before. By the time I went through the feed and caught up, I was ready to drop Twitter right then. I mean, I was like, if this is the way it's going to be. So like every every fourth tweet I see is some promoted thing that in theory is selected for me, but none of them had any any interest to uh, to me at all, and I and I've been on Twitter. Tom, you and I've been on Twitter fifteen years, right? And you are like, what? What in the world was that? But anyway, but wait, wait, wait! I'm going to ask the question, which is, and you're using the main Twitter feed for that? No, no, no. 
What are I'm you using, using my Twitter. So what I, I do is two things. I have my feed because I don't follow that many people. As but you what, know. what app are you using? I'm using TweetDeck. Okay. I get no ads. I don't know how I don't know how you get ads. I get zero ads. Yeah, they're promoted into there. And then I also do the thing, which is I look at, you know, trending or I do searches on stuff that's that's happening. So, you know, as I think I've mentioned on here, my favorite thing, there's a really bad call in a football game and I I go to see how many people agree with me, like what a terrible call it was, you know. How the refs favored the Cowboys once again, you know, that kind of thing. And then I get confirmation because all these people agree with me. And so I like to see trending, trending things. So it's two separate use. I still don't get how you're getting ads because I get, I literally get zero ads in, in my Twitter feed. I, I just don't know how it's possible. You can avoid it if you try hard enough. Uh, well, I, I went for like a good number of days with hardly even noticing any feeds. And then it, it just dumped in. Yep. Still no ads here. All right. We've kind of talked about how we're using it. Now we probably should talk about what the main topic really was, which is, which is okay, let's say you are using Twitter. We're using Twitter. If we're going to change, if we ever decide to change, what kind of decisions do we need to be making about it? Yeah. So I, I think it really does come down to like understanding it's, it's, it's jobs to be done again. You know, so what have you hired Twitter to do and getting the, the more precise you can be about that, then you can start to make decisions about whether you want to stay or want to go. And we've, we've kind of alluded to how we do things in different ways. And then I think it really does come down to like once you've specified what it is that you're using Twitter or any technology for that you've used for a long time and you really understand what it's doing for you. Then I think you just, you know, you're taking a piece of paper, believe it or not, and you're drawing a line down the middle. And on one side, you say, here's what I lose if I leave Twitter. And here's what I gain by leaving Twitter. And then then I also say, here's here's what I lose if I stay. And here's what I gain if, if I stay. And then you kind of start to to weigh those weigh those things and, and line them up. And that's going to. I, I hate to, to make it seem that simple, but to me, it's, it's really sort of, sort of that simple. Well, and, but I think that the, the exercise you just described is the should I stay or should I go exercise. Um, that's, that's what do I lose and what do I gain? It helps you make a decision about whether or not you're going to stay any place, whether it's Twitter or something else. For me, the main question is going to be, if I decide to go, where can I get what I usually have, what I have right now, where can I get that anywhere else? What, what, what offers the alternatives for me, which is usually where the problems start happening, especially around Twitter. Um, but I think that that's, I think, you know, a main, uh, the main issue, you know, I, when I think about what you and I have both hired Twitter to do, like I said, I'm mostly using it to keep up on the news, whether it's tech news, just general news, those types of things. You know, I would like to believe that Twitter is good for building an audience and building a community, but it just hasn't worked out for me in the same way. Or maybe I just haven't put in the time to make it work. Or maybe the idea of an audience or community is more like 10 people or 50 people, and that's all it is. But I will say, here's my prime example. How many years have we been using Twitter where you and I have wanted to query our followers, to to crowdsource a question where we've asked for responses? And we either get zero responses or 
we get responses for the same four or five people every single time. And, and it's just those four or five people. And it feels like we only have four or five followers. So I, my personal opinion is I think it's a lousy tool for audience building. I think it's a megaphone. You say stuff and people consume it. Um, and, and then if you want to talk to somebody else, you can talk in private messages with each other. But I don't really buy it that much as an audience building tool. Right. There's a big echo chamber factor. And as, as I've uh, maybe I not, not quite said this as clearly as I might, but um, one of the reasons I, I like Twitter is that as a medium and as a way of writing, I just really enjoy it, like no matter how many people read it or not. And so, so that, that plays a factor. But creating community, you know, Big marketing success, like, you know, it's, it's not a great community tool. It's not a discussion tool. I hate those threaded tweets, you know, or tweet storms, all that sort of stuff. It's just that there are a lot of problems, but the things that it does do, I, I like. And as you said, Tom, your question about where, okay, so if we decide to, to leave, what are we going to do? Actually, it takes us to the second segment, doesn't it? I think it does. And if that's the case, and if we're ready to talk about that, we're not going to talk about it quite right now. We are going to take a quick break from word from our sponsors. We'll be right back. Contract automation isn't a trend. It's a strategic imperative. Though big players in the e-sign world will make you believe implementing it will cost you big bucks and more than a few headaches, it doesn't have to be that way. DocuB is an easy-to-onboard, full suite of products and includes e-signature, brilliant workflow capabilities, and AI contract automation at nearly half the price of those out-of-touch behemoths. The one thing DocuB doesn't automate? Their customer service. Visit get.docub.com slash contracts to set up a call with a real live person. DocuB will be with you every step of the way. Get civil and you get a fast, custom-built website that looks great, brings you clients, and drops them right into your firm's systems. Civil partners perfectly with small firms by building the fastest sites in legal, handling digital marketing, enhancing your leads, and providing transparent analytics. They're civil to your other tech, too. Civil websites integrate with all legal case management systems, including Clio, Smokeball, MyCase, and Lawmatics. Get a free site audit with a no-obligation 15-minute demo about what Civil can do for your website. GetCivil.com. That's G-E-T-C-I-V-I-L-L-E.com. All rise with Civil. And we are back. Tom, let's look into the actual options that people like us are starting to consider. Well, I mean, the first one that that you and I are sort of doing, I'm certainly doing it, which is the let it ride and do nothing. And, you know, as long as I'm getting what I need from it, I there's no need for me to do anything. Why should I waste any energy on looking for something else? To me, it's a waste of time to try to do anything else. Although I will say, and, and when you mentioned to, to download your Twitter data, I haven't done it yet. I probably will. The one piece of advice that we would give is do not delete your Twitter account because Twitter is set up so that after a certain period of time, it gives up your handle. And that means it's free for anybody to take over that handle. And if you use your name or whatever, or whatever type of identity, then someone can take that and pretend to be you or do whatever they want with it. So 
I would keep the account, keep the account going. Um, but uh, if you d- decide to do something with it, then obviously downloading that information is a good thing. Well, and I think the inertial factor here is so strong, you know, that, like I said, I actually, you know, I, since I like doing tweets, it's it's hard for me to, to want to leave. So the let it ride thing is is great. I, I You see, you saw a lot of people early on and, and still see a little bit of do what I call the noisy departure where you say, OK, I have had it. And because of what Elon Musk is doing and because of these other things that, that Twitter, this health site, uh, I am going to leave and I'm doing it in this very public way. Now, time to, sometimes this reminds me of the early days of blogging when people say, all right, I've had it. I'm never, never blogging again. And, and two then weeks later, two weeks back. later, they're, they're blogging away. And so Twitter, you get a little bit of that. But I think you do. There, there are points for people where you say um, and, and, and tonight it's, it's kind of this Twitter blue thing where people say, look, I'm okay with kind of letting it ride and seeing where everything falls out, but I'm not okay with even spending the, you know, the two bucks or eight bucks for Twitter blue or some, some kind of pay to pound. I'm not going to put my money, however small it is, into all these shenanigans. So you do see the leaving. And then I think there's sort of two places, Tom, but I'm interested in what you're you're seeing as well that that people are doing when they when they leave or, and that people are experimenting with. And to me, that's Mastodon and Post. I don't know if you would agree with that, Tom, or what are you seeing out there? Well, my first word on um, noisy leaving, I think that I sort of feels like people who are noisy leaving means you're leaving to make a take a moral stand, which I think is wasted energy. I mean, whatever you feel about it, if you kind of want to go, just go. I mean, why why announce? I'm announcing. I declare how I'm outraged. I just think that's a waste of time. Um, if you got to go, then get out of there. And I agree with you. I think that of the what we'll call the Twitter-like alternatives, the the tools that have posts that are very similar to Twitter. Although I think, is it Mastodon? I just, I don't think I'll ever be able, on Twitter, any, every post is a tweet, but on Mastodon, every post is a toot, I think. And I, I think don't think is, I'm going to yeah. be able to get through that. That's going to, that, I just don't think I can say <laughs> I tooted yesterday um, because that is something I associate more with my childhood and my parents. So that aside, those I think are the two main the two main alternatives. But here are my here's kind of my take on both of them. I think they both suffer from the same initial problem, and that's critical mass. Not enough people to generate the same level of content that Twitter had. Although I've seen posts from people who say I've been on both of these tools and and it finds like I'm having better interactions and better content for the purpose that I use it, which is news sources and things like that, I don't think I'm going to have the same experience. I would probably give it a try. I finally posted something that I think they're st- they still have a wait list. I got in on the wait list. I was like number 200 and some thousand on the wait list and I'm in. I haven't had a chance to try it out, but I'll probably do that. And then the second piece is Mastodon is just not a simple tool to comprehend for the average person. You have to set up your own server, but then setting up that server allows you to connect to other servers. And I, what? I don't understand. What does that mean? I don't know. The whole server thing. 
you find a server that somebody else has set up. It's not, it's but, not that but hard. But then there's multiple servers and you can connect and, and com- communicate with all the different servers. Why is there all these servers? And that makes no sense to me. I think the learning curve alone is going to keep away a lot of people or just having to understand how it works. So I think that they're useful tools, but I worry that I, it's, it's the same reason I worry about all these. I mean, I have the opinion that as loathsome as some of these other platforms are, they're going to be the major the major player for so long just because they have the critical mass. Right. And I'd say I agree with you on critical mass and also is your audience there or it's in, and you could also say your community, but you know, we're, we're more audience people uh, when, as we think about this. So Mastodon uh, and post to me feel like, you know, we're still in the engineers put this together phase and it's like really hard to figure out what's going on and and how to do even simple things like finding other people. Like on this post thing, you know, they basically are apologizing how it's not quite as finished as they were hoping it would be. And it's super hard to find people. Um, and so like the usability uh, and user experience isn't there in either. And they're super small audiences. And and what's weird to me is that pe- what people say they like about Mastodon is basically describes my experience with a small, carefully selected group of people I follow on Twitter. They're like, oh my God, this is so great being on Mastodon because I have these people I follow and they all say interesting things. And that's so great compared to Twitter. And um, I'm like, yeah. Uh, so whether you're using lists like Tom or like a, just a small, you know, small number of people in your feed, uh, that sort of feels like what people like about Mastodon. Um, so there's the, there's that. And then then you also have the silo thing. And I'm I really question these days, like why I want to be in a silo that's so small. You know, and that's why I'm starting to gravitate toward LinkedIn. And I can't believe I'm actually saying this, Tom, but uh, Instagram is something I'm taking another look at. Uh, So uh, LinkedIn won't surprise people because I've co-authored a book on LinkedIn and I've used LinkedIn for a long time. But Instagram is one that I've had trouble wrapping my head around but I sort of feel that's where there could be a really interesting audience at this point. So Tom, uh, and I would say Instagram, but definitely I'm not going back to Facebook as a, as a major outlet. So Tom, does any of that make sense? Or is that just my typical crazy talk? Um, it's a little crazy. And here's, here's why. To me, I think LinkedIn is great for getting updates from your connections. It is terrible for my use case. It is terrible for what I want to use it for, which is keeping up with the latest in the news. I can't get to my technology news from there. I can't get to the basic news. All I find out is what... Uh, you know, what new lawyer, best of lawyers in the United States or in the world list that there's another lawyer got onto. And to me, LinkedIn is the professional version of Facebook, is that I want to catch up with what my connections happen to be doing. Uh, that's the main use that I get out of it. I think actually Instagram is even worse for my use case than LinkedIn, because again, even though there are, I think that more of the tech outlets that I use are on Instagram, it is, I think, much harder to consume. I, I think part of the problem that uh, that I have with Instagram 
is that they have designed their algorithm so you get to see things in the order in which they think you want to see them rather than in reverse chronological order, which I think is, if I want to keep up with the news, that's really the way I want to consume it. I don't want to just be shown stories, you know, one from here, one from there, and one from five hours ago, and one from yesterday, and one from three days ago. I want to be able to know what the latest is. So for me, those are not great, great approaches. I mean, I'll, I'll go in with my approach, and then I, and then if you could we'll kind of close out a little bit with your how you're going to approach it. You know, my approach is probably going to involve two platforms, and one, well, they're both old, but uh, but one is is older than the other. And the first one is is RRS is to use, or excuse me, RSS. Sorry about that. Is RSS? Most of the news sources that I use all have RSS feeds. So I can move over to Feedly today and I can continue to consume the same content that I'm consuming on Twitter for the most part with not a ton of effort. So to me, if I have to make that switch, it's going to be pretty easy. I still can get to my stories. I can still get to the news and updates where I'm going to probably be spending a little bit more time to see if I can get more value out of it is Reddit. I use Reddit a lot for specific things, like I use it for Pixel users, uh, my Google Pixel phone. I use it for the Remarkable 2 tablet that I have, Remarkable users. They're talking about ways that they're using it. I like sort of talking about niche products and or concepts there. I haven't really expanded it beyond to look kind of at the general news, but I'm kind of intrigued to see if there are any news-based subreddits, if there's any value in following the news there. So Dennis, kind of, what is the portfolio approach that you are looking to take? Yeah, I'm really just looking for what needs to be in a portfolio because I, I feel like I have to be a little bit defensive here and diversify and, you know, pick the things that, you know, see what I need and uh, then find ways to do that. And there's a lot of different tensions out there, as you pointed, like Reddit, I think is interesting. Like you said, in certain cases, mighty communities for small communities. I think one of the the villains in this piece, believe it or not, is sort of mainstream media making their sites, you know, so paid walls, so ad intensive, so difficult and unpleasant to use that you can't really, even with Apple News, which I do use, I'm not sure that that's going to stay in my portfolio on news, but it's sort of like the best best thing I, I have at the point. But I, I want to kind of broaden out what I'm doing, say, if uh, you know all of a sudden Twitter just goes away, then what's the scenario look like? And then how, how do I, I, I move forward? And, and I think, as, I, as we talked about, Tom, I, I think that Twitter, uh, to the extent our listeners are using it, is a great way to uh, create this test case to, to say, how is it that I do make technology uh, changes and how am I thinking about Twitter and what am I doing there and can I apply those lessons in other cases? Do I actually have an approach? And it also really illustrates, and I think for both of us, Tom, how when you're used to certain technologies, the inertial factor is so strong. It really does take a lot to move you from something that you're, you know, even if you complain about it, you're reasonably comfortable with using. 
Well, and the good thing about using, you know, kind of trying this out with Twitter is that if it, if whatever you try, whatever you're doing doesn't work, um, it's Twitter. It doesn't matter. It's not like you're using it on a time and billing system that is no longer working. Um, it, it allows you to have some good lessons learned and, uh, and, and hopefully make you more prepared for when the decision is a little bit more important. All right. Well, that's it for Twitter until maybe in the next podcast that Dennis wants to talk about it. Uh, But until then, before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break for a message from our sponsors. Delegate out those tasks that take up your time. Staffy can help you with your legal, administrative, marketing, and even client-facing workload. Hiring Staffy's top-notch bilingual virtual staff means Staffy does the recruiting, hiring, and training for you. Then, if you need a change, Staffy handles it. You get to concentrate on your strategic work. Schedule a free consultation at staffy.cc. That's S-T-A-F-I dot C-C and get $500 off with code HAPPY24. A website from Civil fills your new client pipeline. Prospects find you through powerful SEO and smart intake forms make it easy to integrate with Clio, Smokeball, Lawmatics, and MyCase. Never lose another lead. Get your Civil bundle. Website, SEO, content marketing, and Google Business Profile Management, free for 60 days from the legal industry's best end-to-end lead generation platform. Book your demo at getcivil.com. That's getciville.com. And now let's get back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. So lately, with Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Giving Tuesday, PBS pledge drives, and so many emails asking for donations and wanting me to buy two for one and all these other things. I feel that everybody wants our money and our support. And so, Tom, that's why we've decided to politely interrupt our regularly scheduled B segment and tell you about ways to support the podcast. The first and best way, of course, is to mention the podcast to friends and colleagues. But there are even more ways. Tom, what are your favorite ways that listeners can support this podcast? So I'm going to mention a few. And then, Dennis, I think there's probably a few you want to mention. I mean, I think I think not to be blatantly self-interested in this, but I say buy the Collaboration Tools book. I mean, that's one way to do it is to take a look at Collaboration, the Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies Work From Home Edition. We're very proud of it. We think it is timely and it's got a lot of great information about upping your collaboration game for you and your firm. Um, When it comes to the podcast itself, you know, the Legal Talk Network and the podcast are always looking for sponsors. So uh, we'll never turn sponsorship down. So if you're interested in sponsoring the podcast, please let us know. We'll put you in touch with the right people. But then when it comes to the podcast itself, what topics do you want to hear? What's interesting to you? We try to talk about the latest. We try to talk about topics that, uh, that lawyers may, technology topics that lawyers may not read about that often, may not come in contact with, but are there topics that you find interesting that we're just not covering? We'd love to know about that. Along with that, 
Although I mention this on every single podcast, there is a phone number to dial. We love to have questions for our B segment. We love to get questions and answer them. We haven't had one in a while. Um, so I'm saying uh, go ahead and, and, and you'll get that number at the end of the podcast. Call us. Leave us a voicemail. We'd love to answer your question or just respond to whatever it is that you have to say for our B segment. Um, you can always rate the podcast. There are ratings in iTunes. There's ratings in other places as well. Uh, having a good rating helps bring us closer to the top, helps find more followers, helps more people find the podcast. So that helps. We talked about social media a lot in this podcast, but that's another way to do it, to promote it, is to, uh, you know, every now and again, we get uh, tweets after a new episode comes out where someone said, you know, I listened to the podcast and I found that it was particularly interesting. Now, obviously, I'd rather not have you do a post that said I listened to the podcast and it was a pile of garbage, um, but, uh, you know, maybe all publicity is good publicity, uh, to, to paraphrase it, but... That said, we'd rather not have you say that on, uh, on social media. We want you to, to actually enjoy the podcast uh, to make you want to, uh, to, to say something on social media. At this point, though, I'm just kind of blabbing all over the place. So I'm going to stop for a minute and turn it over to Dennis and say, Dennis, what am I missing? What other ways are, are there to help support the podcast? Well, I, I want to talk about the uh, mentioning podcasts on social media. So uh, Legal Talk Network. And both Tom and I do tweet and uh, post on LinkedIn and do other things about the podcast. And we really like it when you like those those posts. We really like it. But what we love is when you retweet the posts because that amplifies the message and helps us build audience. And I've been surprised over the years, and especially recently, how people don't really understand that retweeting and sharing and the power of that. So if that's not something you do, consider, consider doing that. Tom and I will put together a, a list for you but and, and maybe do something on the, the show page. But there's also a lot of charities uh, from Girls Who Code to Access to Justice where people are doing things with technology in the legal space um, and others that – you know, if you think if if you are so inclined and are looking for charities, those are things that that we like, and that would be like a great, uh, you know, if we motivated you that that would great be great for us. Other thing, apply some of the advice we give in the episodes, and and just let us know how it worked, and and just feedback in general is great, and then. Um, you can support us on our individual projects. So whether it's the the collaboration tools book, I have uh, uh, I'm doing a new column on uh, Legal Tech Hub. I have a new uh, website I'm doing called the Law Department Innovation Library. Um, so just kind of look for our individual product projects and and support them that way. But those are some of the ways that you can support the podcast. And you're a great, creative, imaginative audience. I'm sure you can think of, of even more. Now it's time for our parting shots. That one tip website or observation you can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away. 
So I've got two. One is a quick one. I'm sort of surprised that we haven't talked about this on the podcast yet, but I imagine we'll be talking about it later. And that's ChatGPT, because I see this more than any other AI tool to date. I see um, more mainstream news services talking about ChatGPT and just sort of the interesting and amazing things that it can do. Um, we'll put a link in the show notes. I'll, essentially, it'll, it will create text for you based on whatever you ask it to create. So you know, I went in and I asked it to create a poem, write a poem based on the Senate runoff in Georgia. And it thought for a while and it brought me back a poem that didn't completely rhyme, but it was on point and it discussed the candidates. Um, and it was very, I was very impressed on what it can do. So we'll talk about this more. I'm thinking in another podcast because I think this is the next evolution of, of how smart AI can be. Uh, but you can take a look at it right now and you can look at it for free and use it. It's really interesting. Um, the one that I will spend a little bit more time talking about is my personal tip for technology this week. I had a very, very long spreadsheet that had a lot of um, hyperlinks in it. It was that they had put text, the text names of laws, like the, it was a list of laws that instead of having the URL, which is really what I want to be able to to, to give to my client. It just has the text instead. And I thought, how can I, I don't want to go through all 600 of these and click on them and copy and paste the URL and put it into a document. So I went out and looked and sure enough, there is a way to extract a URL from a hyperlink in Excel by writing some little, a little code within Excel. It's very easy to do. And once you do that, you can copy and paste that code across every cell in your, in your spreadsheet. Uh, spreadsheet and you can instantly extract them in seconds, uh, which just made it so much easier for me. So if you have, this may be a particularly uh, unique use case for you, but if you happen to have a spreadsheet that's got a lot of hyperlinks in it and you want to convert them so you can get the URLs, uh, this link will help you do that. Dennis. Well, two things about chat GPT. So one is we will definitely be talking about it in our end of the year, our traditional end of the year wrap up show, which will be in the next episode. And that poem that you asked it to write is probably the weirdest use case I've ever heard for chat GPT. Uh, GPT. Oh, that's so, the uh, most normal <laughs> one that I've heard. I've heard so many other ones. <laughs> so I have two quick ones. Um, and so one comes from a site that I mentioned before called Humble Dollar, and it's called the Two Minute Checkup. And so at the end of the year, you're always thinking like, where am I at financially, my retirement, am I spending too much money, all this sort of thing. This is like this, this great little thing that you fill out, a little quiz you fill out, and it's called the two-minute checkup, and you fill out some things, and it sort of gives you, it's almost like a chat GPT uh, experience where it just generates these results that says, oh, you could save a little more, or these expenses are good, or, you know, those sorts of things, and just lays out, here's where you are in relationship to retirement. It's, you know, some experts behind it. It's really nice, really simple. And then the other thing I do want to mention is that Tom and I wrote a post on uh, the Law Technology Today blog where we just answered, I think it was like 10 questions, something like that, Tom, about uh, our new book. And uh, there's some great answers that we gave there and uh, really useful as an overview introduction to the book. And so that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report. 
Thanks for joining us on the podcast. You can find show notes for this episode on the Legal Talk Network's page for the show. If you'd like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or on the Legal Talk Network site, where you can find archives of all of our previous shows along with transcripts. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can reach out to us on LinkedIn. Or remember, you can give us a voicemail anytime. That voicemail number is 720-441-6820. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. And you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, a podcast on legal technology with an internet focus. If you like what you heard today, please rate us in Apple Podcasts. And we'll see you next time for another episode of the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network. <laughs>